This is the EWN Podcast Network. Are you ready to live your life by your rules? Need some inspiration? Welcome to First Class Life, Redefining Success, the podcast that brings you interviews with people who have had their life path challenged and have redefined what success and a first-class life really means to them with tales of roads taken, detours explored, turning points, and transformation. Here is your host, First Class Life mentor, Kate Fessler. Welcome to First Class Life, Redefining Success. I'm your host, Kate Fessler, and my guest this week is Anna Rohrball. You may remember Anna from her previous podcast when she was running for city council in her hometown of Mukilteo, Washington. Well, Anna won that race, and today we're going to talk about what that's been like for her, as well as the topic of moral courage in turbulent times. Welcome, Anna. Hello. Thanks for having me back. Before we get to the topic of moral courage, I'd like to hear a bit about what it was like running for office and actually winning. This is the first time you've done that, right? Yes. Um, What it was like, it was just like every new adventure, I think, in our life or every new thing that we take on. It was scary. It was exhilarating. Um, You learn so much going through the journey. Um, Detail-wise, it was interesting sitting in a room and having somebody lie about you while you're in the room and how to handle and navigate that was a new experience. But obviously I excelled because um, I ended up getting that editorial endorsement. Um, But that, that particular time when this gentleman called me a silly mom touched everything deep in my heart and in my soul about um, one of the reasons I was running. So once I got through the primary and then um, I I got lots of different stories, but once I got through the primary and then um, ending up winning, um, actually the winning part, the night of, I think I felt so truly connected to what I was doing that I was, I was also fairly certain I was going to win that it was more like, Oh, now I have to do the job. So it was a less, Um, I mean, I was super happy, but less exhilarating than I thought it was to know that I won the race. It was more like, okay, now I get to do the job. And so the weight of responsibility kind of came at the same time. Yeah. And um, so it was an interesting dynamic. So boy, that silly mom comment has probably got people jumping out of their chairs. (laughs) Honestly, I, I haven't, this is the first public time I've said that, um, it, during the editorial, it was for the Everett Herald, and um, there were only three other men in the room, and they were doing the interviews, and they didn't remember it quite like, I, I mean, they remembered the word, but they didn't, I'm sure they forgot about it an hour later, um, but I remember thinking, wow, he just did that, and um, and I just kind of kept it in my back pocket in case it came out, but he didn't end up getting through the primary. So, you know, there was no reason to bring it out. And, um, but yeah, it was something that you had to sit there and be triggered by, but not react from mm. and let his words, you know, um, let his words have a consequence for him and not for me. And that was, a, uh, yeah. It was even with the flick of the hand, silly mom. Wow. Yeah. Mm. 
Well, and that is why I think women are re- winning in record numbers these days, because I think we're, we're done with that, yeah. right? Like we're not, uh, not going to just sit back and take it anymore. Yeah. So you've been elected. Mm-hmm. This is your first time. What was your first day like? Were you the only newbie or were there, was there more than one of you who was there for the first time? Um, so we have seven on the council and three positions were up in 2017. So um, one of of them was an incumbent. And then the the two that got reelected was myself and another woman. Um, So there are two of us new. The, you know, on the council being such such a super part-time thing, it, you know, it's not like you have a first day. And, you know, the first, the first real meeting I went to um, was very interesting. And you're just kind of trying to kind of, I do a lot of leadership training, so I know not to come in with all my ideas and try to take over the room. Um, So I just kind of sat back and listened. And, um, you know, January was like, okay, this is, what do I do? You know, kind of was still all the kind of the business things, the things that had already been rolling the previous year. But in February is when things started to get a little bit more interesting. Mm. So tell me about the nuts and bolts of the city council. You said it's a part-time job, right? So how much time do you really have to devote to the running of the city government? And what exactly does the city council do? The city, so the city council is responsible for um, passing a budget, which we're going to be starting here a little bit earlier, I think in March for this next year. And we're also responsible for holding the executive office responsible for spending within that budget. And, um, so what we aren't, and then we're also responsible for, and this will come up probably later, um, authorizing and, and signing off on any contracts and then obviously communication, you know, we're the bridge between the city staff and the citizens. And so communicating how transparency, letting, you know, our residents know what's happening in our city. Um, we're also responsible for setting policy. So, you know, so those are the big things, the passing the budget, um, having accountability for the budget, policies and contracts are the major things. And you meet once a month? Oh, yeah. You asked more than one question. Um, Sorry. (laughs) Actually, our council, we meet every week on Monday nights. And every other week we have a like you would see around the dais of regular business meeting. And that's when we approve things. We pass different policies. We make motions um, to direct staff on priorities. And that's where the business stuff happens. And then the alternating Mondays is when we have our work sessions. And that's where we don't have to sit at the dais and kind of wait for everyone to speak. It's just more we're sitting around a big table and we have different directors come in and, and tell us what's happening in their department, what they need, um, what policy could, needs to be changed, why. And that's really where we kind of work session, ask questions, because they're the experts. And we ask them, you know, what does it mean? How much is this going to cost? What's the consequence? That kind of stuff. So the work sessions seem to be the, the favorite of most of us because it's a little bit more casual. They're only um, audio recorded, where the dais is audio and video recorded. So a little less pressure to be on your best, um, but, you know, just more work session That's how we do it in our city. 
However, as far as amount of time, we've had, this kind of segue into some of the stuff we'll probably talk about. We've had some particularly um, conflictual issues with our executive, our mayor. And so the amount of time that probably the majority, the, there's four of us, um, our spending is probably more like, instead of like 10 hours a week, it's probably more like 15 to 20, thinking, writing, um, planning, investigating, trying to find the truth, talking to our directors and our staff to discover the truth. So it was, it became a little bit more this year than um, I had anticipated. Mm -hmm. so I'll leave that as a little plant. So the mayor, in where I live in Kirkland, the mayor is not elected. It is sort of nominated out of the city council members. Is that the same thing in Muckleteo or is your mayor actually elected by the people? Elected by the people. So your uh, form of government is called a weak mayor. And just like you said, it's one of the council members and they act, do the actions of the mayor. And ours is considered a strong mayor. So a strong mayor is seven council members and an elected mayor as well. So separate from the council. So they have the, the council, ha I mean, the mayor has her roles. Our mayor is a woman and the seven council members have ours and two separate branches. And so the mayor's responsibility are, you know, vision. Um, but really it comes down to obviously, you know, uh, being in, out in public, um, working with the staff, they're responsible for fire, hiring and firing and, um, imp helping implement everything that the council does. Okay. Yeah. So I want to move into um, kind of this idea of moral courage. And it sounds like it takes some moral courage just to run for office, um, which I commend you for doing <laughs> because I don't think I would want to do that. Um, so the dictionary defines moral in several different ways, but they're related. So it boils down to basically right and wrong, right? It's like doing the right thing, having a strong belief in doing the right thing and, and that sort of thing. I guess that's kind of subjective, right? These days, um, what is right and what is wrong? I mean, in politics in particular, for example, many people think abortion is morally wrong and shouldn't be legal. And then Nancy Pelosi famously said that the border wall is immoral. I personally think making people work without pay is immoral. So when used in that context, it can be kind of debatable. Are there fundamental things, do you think, that everyone would agree could, would be wrong and therefore immoral in a political context? Wow. I mean, you just laid out some major issues. So I'm not going to speak to each issue except... No, not necessarily each yeah. issue, but are, are, are there commonalities, right? So that no matter who you are, no matter what sort of political flavor, you can say, yes, I agree, this is wrong, and this is right. Because I think that's something that you might be grappling with right now on your, on your council. Actually, actually, no, I appreciate that. I am not grappling it because I am absolutely clear of the moral integrity of the choice. And I'll explain that in a minute. But I think the difference is the issues that you are saying is, um, I think that is more policy and how do you interpret things? It's not, it's not proven right or wrong. It's not a law of when a fetus becomes a soul, right? Like, you know, that's, 
ambiguous, right? So um, I, or, you know, like the wall or not the wall, um, that isn't shown to be, it, it's a policy. How do we get to something? And then in, in that, in that how is kind of up for interpretation. So saying, you know, so I, you know, that kind of, that's how I'm seeing it different. Cause I'm kind of in my, inside my head thinking about the decisions we're making in the city. And I'm very clear that, um, I'm morally right. <laughs> and one of the council members said, you know, is there a sliver of a chance that you would open up to see this the other way? And I said, there always is, but this is the difference between right or wrong. So what's happening in our city right now is, um, through some information that received at the beginning of the year, we found out that um, 12 severance contracts, which is employment contracts, right? Um, when people decide to leave, um, have been imp uh, negotiated and implemented without council approval. And in so doing, $252,000 has gone out the door without budget authority by the mayor, without council approval. And it was hidden in the budget under salary and benefits. Mm -hmm. So this is why previous councils didn't see it or find it. In some digging that was happening at the beginning of the year, because this was kind of alerted to us by, I don't want to say by, because I don't want to get that person in trouble, but um, by members of the community. Um, and then we started doing public records requests, which a council member shouldn't have to do, but we had to do it to find out the information. And um, once it started happening, we also found out that our own city attorney had advised the mayor to come to council. Staff members had advised the mayor to come to council. So once this all started happening, um, you know, I'm not so savvy that as soon as I started my this role that I knew all the rules, but I started investigating our codes, our policy. RCW laws are um, the state laws that govern our government throughout the state. And it was very clear that our RCW law states that the authority for contracts solely goes to the legislative body, which is the council in this case. And so to, to speak to your question, um, the law is clear on this. It's not unclear. It, and that's the reason there is no case law around it, because it's very clear. If you ask any council or mayor um, around the state, they're going to know that the authority for contracts goes to. And this is getting like technical, but for me, it, you know, to, to kind of, there was a majority of us, the four that saw this all very clearly, that this person broke the law consistently, intentionally, and willingly hit it um, from the council. So we were not able to do our job. And to me, um, it took an extreme a lot amount of moral courage to continue to say, no, this is not okay. And to continue to walk forward because the public perception, I alluded this, to this the other day when we were talking, is they say they really want the truth. And this is something I've realized, you know, in the world today, in our city today, in our county, in our country today, that we all say we want the truth and transparency, but when it hits us over the head, even with facts behind it, people have a tendency to go, especially if the person they, especially if it's the person they voted for and thought the best of, they go, but that's not happening in our city. You know, they want to pretend that the truth isn't there. 
And I saw this with a dear friend of mine. She didn't not believe me, but it took her like a couple minutes. And then she looked at me and she said, if it was anybody else telling me this, but you, I wouldn't believe it. And that like really became clear to me of not only how I had to present information and it goes back to a leadership thing that you can't be so far ahead that you forget how to kind of lead your people. Um, You have to only be one or two steps ahead. And that's how you really lead people. And your vision is far ahead, right? But you got to kind of put the steps in front of them and walk them through it. And that was a really big moment for me in practicing leadership was that I couldn't tell my citizens, my residents, 10 different things because there was there's many other things. Um, I had to just kind of keep leading them towards it. So if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, it was just this deep understanding that people want to know the truth, but they want to believe the best in people. And it's going to take a lot to change that into, um, believing that this can really happen to them or really happen to this person or really happen to this city kind of thing. So now we're looking at, um, like I said, there's seven of us, but there's four of us that have been very consistent on this that what happened was absolutely wrong. It was against the law. And I guess that's where I see the line in this case on moral authority. Um, And so thank God there's four of us and we're all kind of coming together. And one of the council members joked um, in December said, you know, I think we need to start our own counseling group. (laughs) It was a male, very strong male. And I go, you're right. Because things like this, you know, everybody knows when they've been wronged by something and everyone has fought this. Right. And you just want to, you want to be right. You want to tell them why you're right. Even when you're right and you're wronged, you know, you tell the whole world, you, you spin out the story that, well, this is why I'm right. And this is why I'm right. And I found myself in that circle, that rabbit's hole kind of like, but you don't understand this is costing every, you know, and then just spewing the story over and over again. And it was completely affecting me. And so what I had to do was, I think this is where politicians fail as they grow into their political um, future and ongoing thing is they forget how they're being triggered and they forget to take a moment and step back and go, what do I have control over? And this is taking me into being somebody I don't want to be. And I found myself throughout the year checking in with myself, especially if I was with a friend and I could see their eyes kind of glaze over. And and we all do this with everything in our life. You know, when something that someone does us wrong, like I said, and it was, I just kept telling myself that this is good. This is good. This is painful, but this is good. And then we had three weeks off over the uh, winter break. And I just did a lot of journaling, just like a lot of journaling, a lot of, um, you know, moving through, I guess, because I knew this year, um, we're going to be going through, we we have gotten our own attorney. And so the process is going to continue. And that takes moral courage, courage too, to keep walking the path in front of us. Um, we're not getting public pushback, but we continually get pushback from the mayor and that's just one person. But I can tell you when you have to work with them, consistently it's a lot and um so 
I had to kind of go deep and, and figure out what was triggering me and how to kind of the tools I've used before, but you kind of forget when you're in it, how to use the tools, how to stay present, how to stay grounded, how to respond instead of react. And that in a political arena, especially when you're getting audioed and videoed, um, is super important, but also, um, the people that can stay calm in the face of intense situations are the people that are the, is the person that people will follow is the person that people, um, will trust regardless of the word staying being said, I've learned that the people that stay calm respond with facts, logic, you know, upfront, they can have emotion in their voice, but those people are the ones that end up rising and leading. And um, that was really important to me to continue to be seen as a person of integrity um, than a person that, you know, had to be right. Yeah. Well, there's so many things that come up based on a lot of the things that you've said. So there is sort of that, um, and I don't remember what it's called, but it's a, it's a bias um, that, that does exactly what you said. It's like, if you think well of someone, it takes an awful lot to get you to change your mind and, and vice versa. So if your opinion of someone is, you know, bad, it takes an awful lot for you to change uh, your mind about that. So how, so you said there's four of you who are kind of really all over this, but what about the other three? Are they kind of like um, just, staying out of it or are they actively opposing you were they you know involved in it in any way they weren't involved in it in any way no well I, i'm gonna say no on that um so i think and here's what i love about what i what another thing before i go into the negative about one of the things that i also learned last year like I hate to kind of just go negative all the time. So I have to balance it out. One of the things I learned last year, I turned to one of the council members on the dais when we took a break and I'm like, do you realize that we just voted three times on opposite sides? And Chris looked at me and said, what? And I go, yeah. And now look at us. We're chatting like we're schoolgirls. Like it was break. We had 10 minutes. I'm like, are you going to the bathroom? She's putting like, you know, we're, we just loved each other still, but we had voted so differently. And I was like, isn't this great? Isn't this how it's supposed to be? That is how it's supposed to be. It's yeah. wonderful that you can do that. Yeah. So on policy wise, we do, we do a pretty good job being kind of all over the place, which is a good thing. You know, you want, you don't want it to always be seven, zero or six, one. Um, but on this particular issue, when it comes to the mayor, anything with the mayor, it is a hundred percent divided. And I, I'm, I'm, I've been struggling with how to, how to communicate. And I realize until something happens to them or they see, you know, sometimes something can happen and it twists, twists your perspective. Like maybe it's a story you heard and it made you think about something going on in your life that helps you see it different. I don't think there's anything I can do or say that's going to help these three see it different. It's going to have to be from something else. And I think kind of letting go of that I had to help them figure it out has released a lot of tension. Like, okay, they're going to think how they I know where they're coming from. Um, they're wrong, <laughs> but I'm going to keep for going forward. And 
So is this being uh, covered by the local press? How, what's the community reaction to this? Um, we have a, it's called Mukilteo Beacon. And um, so it's a community paper. And that's pretty actively read. I've done several council corners. And um, that's how people started to really get to know me. In fact, I met somebody about a week ago. And he came up to me and he's really well known in Mukilteo. And he came up to me and he goes, oh my gosh, you came out of nowhere. No one expected you to be like, you know, like a bulldog. And I said, listen, I said, listen, John, his name's not John, I'm using a different name. Um, I said, I didn't come out of nowhere. But when someone attacks my integrity and my values and lies and is deceitful to the people that I took an oath to represent, I'm going to stand up for that. And if I don't get reelected, I don't care because I can stand on my integrity. I care, but it's more important for me to keep telling the truth um, than not to pull the truth. And so that was kind of an interesting thing. Like you came out of nowhere where it's kind of like saying, um, you know, you, you hear that with, you know, like rock stars or whatever, like, oh, the overnight success. The overnight like, success that took 10 years, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, no, I've always, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't as clear of how clear my boundaries are, were um, until this happened. And now I'm really clear how clear they are. You know, they're really strong boundaries. Um, the Everett Herald um, has been a huge supporter of the mayors. She's a, a progr very progressive Democrat. And, um, but they wrote, when we did a no confidence vote in August, they wrote a huge article on it. Um, they've stayed pretty much out of it, I think, because it's kind of one of theirs kind of thing. Um, she's a very, our, our positions are nonpartisan, um, but she's a very well-known party politician. And so I think that plays in some of the big, in some of the bigger paper, in the bigger paper, um, never Harold reaches, goes throughout Snohomish County mm -hmm. and you're in King County, but Snohomish mm -hmm. County is the, is pretty much tied with Pierce County for being the second largest County. So we just say they're the second largest County. Um, so we get some press. And I think, I think they're coming along little by little. Mm. Uh, I mean, they can't deny the fact. They're going to come along as we keep moving forward as well, because it gets more and more real and salacious, probably. Mm. So integrity and, and moral courage are quite tied together, right? Because you need to have moral courage to stand in your integrity and not sort of let things go like, oh, well, what's the difference, you know, so she didn't follow the rules. Well, who did it hurt? You know, that kind of thing. Um, how is she uh, responding to all of this? She's running for a county position. So she's it's moving nice. on up. <laughs> she, I, I have a term for it, but because um, I actually have bought a couple books on it because um, because I can't understand it otherwise. Um, it, it's like the, all the negative press that's been happening. It, she doesn't like, it's not even happening. And I've seen her react on council when we've hit the truth and, or in a work session. And when she knows it's the truth, I can see how she reacts physically. Um, which, you know, I mean, like she just, you could tell she just turns red, you know, like shame comes or something, but then it just goes away. And yeah, I mean, she, you think like for me or you, and probably most of your listeners, 
we would, you know, when I do something wrong, I'm instantly, okay, what, what did I do? You know, what could I have done better? I take responsibility and I take steps to move forward. Like I, you, you know, I might, if it's really bad, I might cry for a couple of days, but you know, like I'm trying to get better and you know, I might push back in the beginning, but then realize like, this isn't, you know, really I did screw up and you know, I move on and I try to get better. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've done that throughout the last council too. Some of the, I mean, last year, some of the times I reacted, I felt other people, other council members react and then I would react too. And I've already said the things that I said and I didn't need to say them again. So those things I learned from like, you know, everything wasn't perfect, but I, I got this book and I guess I, I'm hesitant to say the word because I do have empathy and I do have compassion that the mayor must have been raised different than me um, to be able to, she doesn't blatantly lie, but I believe a lie is when your intent is to, to deceive somebody mm-hmm. and um, like, you'll never catch her in the words. Um, it's a good politician, but um, so I, I bought a book, how to deal with a narcissist mm. and it has actually kind of helped me. Kinda, That's got to be helpful in many different ways <laughs> these yeah. days. One of the things that said, I think it was that I bought two and I don't remember the title of the other one, but one of the said, things that said is we all have narcissism in us. Right. And, you know, cause we all sometimes want it to be about us. We all get our feelings hurt if someone gets noticed and you know, we, we did that too. You know, that's normal part of our ego is just this, how it's how to, I think it's how to deal with an extreme narcissist or something like, I can't remember the title. Yeah. Because there's a point where it crosses over into damaging behavior. Yes. And I, I just, I don't know how else, I don't like to put people in boxes, but when we are trying to figure out things, sometimes those boxes help us, you know, analyze, move forward. I've realized that too. And that's the only that's the only way I can make sense of the behavior because mm. it's unlike any other behavior I've ever been a part of. So this is my first year in politics and this is what's happening. So, yeah, it's kind of disheartening because I think, you know, and this goes to, you know, on the larger stage, you know, when you hear people say, we're going to go, we're going to change things or whatever. And then they kind of just fade into the status quo. And it sounds like, you know, like people really believe in this woman and really want her to succeed. And then, you know, it's kind of like, well, I did this. And so what? Um, You know, it's just you're right. There's no you're right. There's no integrity there. And there's no moral courage, you know, but but in the world of a politician, what happens if you just stand up and say, you know what, I screwed up? I'm sorry. Like, it doesn't feel like people allow people to do that on, on those types of stages. You know, I, I do have a lot to say on that. And, and just also to say the the public perception of the mayor is changing. And I think if she ran today, she would not win. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think she win by a large margin. Um, but she's not running today. So, um, but I also think it it's because, like you said, and I noticed this last year too with me, the kind of internal feelings that this is why people just become part of the status quo. Like you said, that was a kind of a beautiful thing. You went like that because it's so much easier. I didn't have to stand up and I actually am the one that called for the no confidence vote. 
Um, partly that was because it doesn't really mean anything except public making the public know that what's going on. And, um, and it was kind of like, I could just fade in and just kind of go along to get along. But I, but then why did I take an oath off office to uphold, to uphold the duties of my role? Right. And so it's kind of like, that's just not who I am. That's, I believe why I'm not, I believe it's why I'm called in this political arena is because I'm not willing to, to sacrifice that. I have an identity outside of politics. Um, it's easy now as a part-time politician, but I think, I think it's because we haven't, we haven't, we don't have very many examples of that. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think the world is changing now. And I think the reason that I don't want to get like party political, but I think the reason that Trump got elected not by the people, but the reason that I believe in like the universal energy and, you know, I call that God, but, you know, could just be universal energy. I believe the reason that he was put into that office, good and bad, is because he was, he's here to shake it up. He's here to shake out all the crap. And he's definitely shaking out some stuff. And he's, regardless of you, if we like what he's doing or not, he's making us engage. He's making us ask more questions. He's making us as voters, as citizens go, I don't like this on both sides. I don't like this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that it's painful. This is a painful time, but this is the only way through. We know this in our life on the smallest level to the biggest level. Um, changing is painful. It's messy, but on the other side, it's really beautiful. And we just have to keep remembering that. And, you know, it takes patience and time. I believe as well that, um, you have to choose a side to get through, to get elected at a, at a higher level, not at a nonpartisan level. But I think as voters, what we need to do is stop paying attention to the labels because 80% of the people are all right here. You're ne- my neighbor, all, all of my neighbors, right, my view out here, all of my neighbors have different views. Democrats, Republicans, really progressive to really conservative. And we just talk. You know, on the summer, we sit out there and we just talk. And I'm sure in everybody that's listening's families, they have different sides of the table, right? And in the majority of the families, not all of them, but I think in the majority of the families, you can have a conversation about it. And I think that's how we have to start voting for people of character and integrity versus their party line. Now, you're not going to vote for the extreme of whatever party, the opposite of extreme of whatever party. But if you have someone that's a moderate, on either side and you trust them to tell you the truth and to be transparent, I think that is way more important than I can never vote for them. I think we are so divided because it's, we're, we're so tribal right now and Mm -hmm. we're tribal with being a woman or a man. I didn't run as a woman. I ran as the person that was the best fit for this job. And I'm a woman. Like, don't vote for me because I'm a woman. But if I, if you feel like I'm equal, I mean, okay, vote for me if I'm a woman, if I get your vote. But that's not what I ran on. <laughs> but, uh, but you get what I'm saying. I think it's that, you know, we got to stop with these labels, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, we can't vote for people because they're one thing or the other. We need to vote for them because of their character and their integrity. I think our world is changing. We don't have to catch everybody else up. It's all progressing and it's going to take time still for equality, but 
but we're there. Everyone's aware of it. And we need to keep moving forward and vote for the right people that are going to stand on the, on the morals and integrity of this, of, of what you stand for. Vote for the values that connect with you, I think is kind of what I'm saying. So I think yeah. it's up to us. I think we have more power as voters now, kind of taking myself out of the political role than we've ever had before. And the power is if I'm a Democrat and I see a really uh, moderate Republican that God, it seems like they're just like me and I trust them, I should vote for them. If I'm a Republican and I see a moderate Democrat and you know, all those labels, they don't mean as much as they used to anymore, I guess. It's what, kind of what I'm saying. Well, I hope you're right because there is, you're right, tribalism has gone to its um, illogical extreme. But you yeah. know, the party leaders will not want to hear that, that you will vote for another uh, party if that person seems to be a reasonable person. But I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I think that's where Howard Schultz is going with his independent run, right? He's thinking, well, I don't want the tribal politics. I want to be right smack in the center. And, you know, I've always been a believer in the happy medium. Uh, we'll see. We'll see where everything goes. Yeah. Um, so we're running out of time. So I'm not going to ask you the usual question about life-changing book, unless you have something you'd like to share, maybe <laughs> how to deal with a narcissist. <laughs> no. No, it really wasn't that great. I mean, it was good, but I was like, this, it was a, it was like a textbook, you know, I was reading it to, try to solve a problem. Okay. I just read two books. Actually, I'm going to tell you three really book, quick books. I resisted reading um, The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins. I read her mm -hmm. the most recent book first. I loved it. And then I waited like a year and a half or two years. And then I just read The Five Second Rule over Christmas break. Loved it. I still can't get up like, and it still takes me more than five seconds to get out of bed, but I love all the concept concepts. It's, it's a brilliant book. If you're in personal development, get it. I also read Sober Diaries because um, I did Dry January, as you alluded to in the beginning. And um, I loved it. It was just about a woman and kind of overcoming being a mom and working and then not working. And then how she dealt with going sober from really not being sober at all. So it was a really fun book to read. And my last one that I just finished is the 5 a.m. Club. It is brilliant self you don't have to get up at 5 a.m there's so much more in that book it's my favorite book um i read it this year but i would say it's my favorite book that i've read in the last year so the 5 a.m club by robin sharma and it came out in 2010 so it's not kind of out there right now as far as being talked about but um personal development it is a phenomenal book do you get up at 5 a.m no <laughs> i still kind of have it as like a goal so like today i got up at like 5 50 because i had to go to an event and then yesterday I set the alarm for, I think it was 7.30 and I got up at 7.45. So I, you know, I saw all over the place, but I'm going to keep moving towards 6, 5.30. We'll see. Hmm. Well, I get up usually when my dog wakes me up. So she comes in somewhere between 6.30 and 7.30. Yeah, that's good. She's sitting here next to me. Um, yeah. But occasionally she'll come in at five and that's much too early. Yes, much too so early. Um, so in this new context of Anna Rohrbaugh, uh, courageous politician, how would you define success? Hmm. I should have been prepared for that, Kate. Um, I think definition of success is hearing that whisper 
in your heart and your soul um, and the positive whisper and bravely taking action, even if it seems like no one else supports you. And I think because there always will be, once you take one step, the universe conspires to come around you. And I've seen that happen. So we all have that whisper that we hear. That's a part of us that I want to do that. Or I would really love to do that. And not because of money or fame or something like we all have that, like, you know, I'd really like to have a car kind of thing. I mean, that whisper that really sits at the gut of you. And I, I think your definition of success to me is, when you strive bravely and courageously towards that, regardless of you, if you achieve it or not, when you take steps towards that, you're in the, you're in the, um, the flow of success. Um, because that takes guts, that takes bravery, that takes learning, that takes skill, that takes everything else. But at the core of, I think we have one soul to guide through this lifetime and that's our own. And if we don't do it, who else is going to do it? Um, so I think that's my definition of success today. If people want to learn more about you and your work outside of the city council, or even more about your city council, and maybe read about all of the salacious happenings up there in Muggleteo, how can they do that? Well, they can probably Google me now, because um, it'll definitely come up. But um, my website is Anna. Rorabah.com. So Anna, R-O-H-R-B-O-U-G-H.com. And while typically as an entrepreneur, that isn't maybe super updated in the last year, but it definitely is relevant. My email is Anna at AnnaRorabah.com. So they can always contact me there. And um, I think that I'll be in the news here again. So for positive reasons. So so, I also, well, yeah, what, one other thing I'd love to do, and I just got a new client, is I'm a TEDx speaker, and I coach TEDx speakers, and that's um, really a passion of mine, is pulling out people's stories and then helping them present it, and so that's something that I do outside of council. Hmm. Sounds like you could teach them some leadership skills, too. Yes, it's speaking is leadership. What's next for Anna Rarball? Is there another political office in your future? Um, I, you know, it, I can't publicly say yet because we're st I'm still, we st are still developing the strategy, but yes. Very exciting. Heard it here first. Councilwoman Anna Rarball, keep up the courage and the good work. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Love you. First Class Life, Redefining Success with your host, Kate Fessler. We'll be right back. Back to the show. First Class Life, Redefining Success with your host, Kate Fessler. It seems as if things should be cut and dried, clearly ethical or unethical, but it can be a tricky business depending on your perspective. Food for thought if you find yourself faced with such a dilemma. It's always best to keep an open mind for the other person's perspective while standing in your integrity and not being bullied. In this political climate where the prevailing attitude is that truth isn't truth, you need to be strong within your own moral center. Remember the golden rule, treat others as you would be treated. That means holding yourself as accountable as you'd hold others and not bending the rules when it's convenient for you. Like I said, it can be a tricky business. 
I'd like to leave you with a quote today that I think is appropriate in this context. It's from Ralph Waldo Emerson, courtesy of one of my favorite comics in the newspaper, Canderville by Darren Bell. To be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. I hope you'll join me next week when my guest will be the crisis planner, Linda Fostek. Until then, cheers to your authentic first-class life. I'm Kate Fessler. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of First Class Life, Redefining Success with Kate Fessler. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And for more great content and to stay up to date, visit FirstClassLifeSolutions.com, on Twitter at Kate Fessler, and on Facebook at First Class Life Solutions. We'll catch you next time. is the EWN Podcast Network. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN Podcast hosts at EWNPodcastNetwork.com. 